Good morning, this is Pastor Chris Shoemaker of the Plaster Rock United Baptist Church and welcome to our Sunday School class. This is Resurrection Sunday, He Has Risen, praise be to His name. Um, that's that's really the whole foundation and basis of our creed, uh, of our belief. Uh, you, uh, I think it was the Apostle Paul that said that, um, you know, if all this was fake, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, "We have, if the resurrection is not real, we of all men will be most miserable. So this is a very special Sunday school class for Resurrection Sunday. We are in the book of Genesis, and we were almost to this chapter. So I'm just going to kind of fast forward and do this chapter anyway, seeing as it is uh, uh, appropriate. Uh, it is appropriate for uh, today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, Go to Genesis chapter 22. This is about the sacrifice of Isaac. So today during our Sunday school class, I'm going to marry the Old Testament with the New Testament. I'm going to bridge that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament and make prophetic connections between the uh, sacrifice of Isaac and the death of Yeshua, Jesus on the cross. And we're going to see how all that fits together. And it was all prophesied in uh, Genesis chapter 22. So uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we want to just praise you and thank you for this day. Wow, just taking a moment to reflect on the weight and the meaning of this day. This is Res Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate Yeshua rising from the dead, securing our salvation. Thank you, Father, so much. Lord, as we dig into your word and delve into your word, help us as we uh, read and study your word that we may know what it's trying to say to us so we can apply it to our hearts and our lives and our minds. Help us to plunge to the depths and extract the full and complete meaning uh, of this text and how this particular chapter in Genesis applies to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And Father, uh, I pray that you would just bless everyone who is live online listening right now, that Father, that you would just open up their hearts and minds and make them receptive uh, to the hearing and understanding of your word. And Lord, we love you and praise you and ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for saying hello and, and uh, letting me know that you're there. Um, I'm going to take it a little bit slow today. I'm usually very bubbly and energetic and just kind of dive right into it. But seeing as how this is a very intricate and important chapter uh, in our Sunday school class and in, in connection with what day it is, that it, this is Resurrection Sunday, the day that we recognize Yeshua rising from the dead, I want us to take our time with this chapter and really dig into it and uh, really understand it. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 22. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. So we're getting a lot of specifics here very early on. It's, 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 it's Abraham's only son, meaning his only son through Sarah, the promised one, uh, meaning to go to a specific place, the land of Moriah, and in Moriah, a very specific mountain. And once there, perform a very specific offering, not just any offering, it's a burnt offering. And we'll get into the details of that in just a moment. So Abraham got up early in the morning, 
saddled his donkey and took with him uh, his, his young, two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Did you catch that? We will come back to you, not I will come back to you. I already think that Abraham kind of knew what was going to go down. I think he believed with all his heart that even if he sacrificed Isaac, that, that God would raise him from the dead because he was the promised son. So he said, uh, he said, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will, will, will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. Wow, what a prophetic picture that is already right off the bat where Abraham is laying the wood on Isaac's shoulders. It reminds us of Yeshua and the cross beam of the cross being laid upon Yeshua's shoulders as he marched the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering on the way to Golgotha, on the way to the cross. Wow, what a powerful picture there. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife and the two of them walked together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham and said, my father? And he replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar and there arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Boy, that picture of substitutionary death. Yeshua took our place. He was that substitute. We should have been, we should have went through what he went through on the cross, but he, he was the substitute just as the ram was the substitute for Isaac. <clears throat> Um, Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Verse 14, and Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yirah, however you want to pronounce it. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Mountains were very important to the ancient peoples because it's believed that the gods uh, resided on the mountains because they were the closest connection of the earth to the heavenlies. <clears throat> and God even had his sacred mountains. He had Sinai, also called Horeb, where Moses got the Ten Commandments. There's Mount Zion, the Temple Mount, right? These are holy and sacred uh, uh, places uh, that God has designated for worship. Verse 15, then the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord is always code. It's always code for Yeshua in pre-incarnate form. The angel of the Lord is Yeshua the Messiah. 
Because all the angels have names, Gabriel, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, etc. But when it says angel of the Lord, it's messenger of the Lord. And it says the messenger of the Lord or the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. It's Yeshua delivering a prophetic message to a prophet or what have you. So it says the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself. Wait a second. By myself. Why is the angel of the Lord swearing by himself unless the angel of the Lord was God? <laughs> and we know the angel of the Lord is Yeshua, part of the Godhead. Wow, this is powerful. By myself, I have sworn. This is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my commandment. So Abraham went back to his young men and they got up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. Mystery, dun, dun, dun. The mystery here is verse 19. We said, Abraham said, we will come back to you. You know, kind of uh, alluding to Abraham's belief that, that Isaac would be resurrected if sacrificed. But you don't see Isaac here. Abraham went back to his young men. Doesn't say anything about Isaac. They got up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. The legend is that Isaac was sent away to Shem's house, Noah's son. He was still alive during this time. And he was sent to Shem to study the mysteries and secrets of God, to learn more about the one true God of Israel. Uh, so that's, that's the legend. Okay, so uh, this is an article that I had written many, many years ago on this very subject. So that's basically the, the lesson today. So I'm going to be drawing from that. Thanks again for everybody who has joined in on this live uh, Sunday school class. Uh, if you're there, uh, just let me know you're there just by saying, just simply typing in hi and I'll, I'll know who's there because it's not letting me know who's joined and who's not. But a devout Jew reads this passage, the one we just read, Genesis 22, every morning during Shacharit. Shacharit are the morning prayers. There's three times of prayer that Jews will pray, uh, morning, noon, and night. So the morning prayer is called uh, Shacharit. The afternoon prayer is called Mincha. And we see Peter on top of the roof of Simon the Tanner praying uh, during that time. He was praying Mincha prayers when he had that vision of the sheet that was, was dropped down to him. Then you have the, uh, the Ma'arev prayers, the evening blessings or the evening prayers. We see Isaac performing the Ma'arev prayers. Uh, he was out in the field in the evening praying and meditating as we see later on in scripture. So anyways, this passage is read every morning by devout Orthodox Jews, and they begin uh, the reading with a blessing. O God and God of our forefathers, remember us with favorable memory before you as we recall with a recollection of salvation and mercy from the primeval lofty of heavens. Remember on our behalf, O Lord our God, the love of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Your servants, the covenant, the kindness, and the oath that you swore to our father Abraham at Mount Moriah. And the Akeda, which the Akeda is what they entitle this chapter, Genesis 22. Akeda is a Hebrew word for the binding because Abraham bound Isaac upon the altar. Um, 
He bound his son Isaac on top of the altar, as it is written in your Torah. The Torah is uh, the Jewish word for the five books of Moses, the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So let's dig into this text and let's take our time and really savor uh, what the Lord has for us today. So in Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, after these things, God did tempt, uh, I think that's a very poor translation, uh, I think a better word in, in, in the way it is worded in most modern translations is tested because we know that by the scriptures, it says that God does not test anyone or uh, tempt anyone. He tests us, but he does not tempt us. So the Christian Standard Bible, which is what I usually use behind the pulpit, says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, whereas the King James says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, I am here. So this word for tested that we're that that's such in dispute is the Hebrew word which means a banner that you lift up for all to see. So this 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 temptation, this this test if you will. This test was was on public venue. It was in public view. It, there were two witnesses. The the two men Abraham brought with him. It was on a very visible place, Mount Moriah. And so uh, there, one of the rabbis said, God elevated Abraham trial upon trial, greatness after greatness. We don't climb the spiritual ladder of getting closer to God and being conformed more into the image of his son without going through uh, tests, trials, and tribulations. So Abraham drew closer to God through this trial, through this test. And Rabbi Jonathan, a famous rabbi that's in the Talmud, he said, A potter does not examine defective vessels because he cannot give them a single blow without breaking them. What then does he examine? Only sound vessels. For he will not break them even with many blows. Similarly, the Holy One, blessed be he, tests not the wicked, but the righteous. If he tests the wicked, they'll break. He doesn't allow the wicked to be tested as the righteous because he wants the wicked to survive long enough to have as many opportunities to come to him as possible. The scriptures say that I am not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to repentance. But he can test his righteous because he knows we're sound, we're solid. There's no cracks in us. James 1, 1 through 4 and 12 through 13 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brothers. Count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations, how many of us, when we are, are in, in, in tribulation and trial, say, woohoo, thanks, God? Not me. <laughs> but James tells us to do so. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. There's a reason for the trial. The trial is a blessing in disguise because it's, it's sent to strengthen you, not to weaken you. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect, in other words, complete, entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. But, in, but is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he was tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So he doesn't tempt, he tests. And test means to prove to make sound, prove to make sure, right? So let's move on to verse two. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac. Well, what about Ishmael? Isn't that Abraham's son too? Well, of course it is, but it's not the promised son. It's not the prophesied son. It's the son through Hagar. He's a legitimate son. He got an inheritance just like 
Isaac did, but it's the only son through, through Sarah because Sarah was infertile and barren. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, a, on one of the mountains, I will tell you. Only son. The direct connection between uh, Genesis 22-2 is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever everlasting life and in verse 2 it says bring him up there as an offering not just any offering a burnt offering which means isaac was supposed to be reduced to fine ash and this offering the word offering is the word aliyah which in the hebrew means to be exalted or to be lifted up because before you give a sacrifice, you present the sacrifice to God. You lift up the sacrifice. And in John, uh, John 8, um, well, actually, if you want to get to the Hebrew, it says, bring him up there as a burnt offering or burnt lifted up, lifted up burnt offering. So if you want to parse out the Hebrew, it means to lift Isaac up. So it says in John 8, 28, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And does it not say, didn't Yeshua himself say in John 12, 32, that if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. And what did we say at the very beginning of this, of this uh, passage? That this, this uh, test, the word test means to be lifted up. It's a banner that is lifted up for all to see. And so here we draw back again to this sacrifice. It's a lifted up sacrifice, an offering, an aliyah. And Yeshua said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So there's the symbolism there between Isaac and Yeshua, between the, the binding, the akeda, and the cross. So in the verse goes on to say, on, a, on one of the mountains, on one of the mountains, there was a mountain chain in the land of Moriah, and it was a specific mountain. And Moriah means teacher, to teach, to be taught, to learn a lesson. It was Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah, some of you may not know this. Get ready. Get some duct tape. Wrap it around your head because your mind's about to be blown. Mount Moriah is none other than Mount Calvary. I'm serious. The, the same hill that Yeshua died on on the cross is the same hill that Abraham offered up Isaac. It's also the same hill that the priest would go to when they left the temple to take the red heifer and burn the red heifer to ash to use in ceremonies. It was a very, very sacred place. Matthew 21, 6 through 9 says, And the disciples went and did as Yeshua commanded them and brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their clothes and set out thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others, others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them to, uh, in, in the way. And the multitude that went before them that followed cried, Hosanna, Hoshana in Hebrew, to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Why am I reading that verse? Why am I putting it right here? Because verse 3 talks about... Abraham saddling his donkey, and there is kind of a, an illusionary hint to Abram saddle, Abraham saddling his donkey and Yeshua being saddled on the donkey at the triumphal entry right prior to his crucifixion, right? That's where that comes in. So, according to the Mishnah, now the Mishnah is a commentary on 
the Torah, the five books of Moses by famous rabbis throughout history. And this is what they said. They said, this is the same donkey that Moses rode into Egypt, according to Exodus 4.20. I'm sure they don't mean literally because donkey can't live that long. They're speaking symbolically, metaphorically. This is the same donkey that Moses rode into Egypt and the same one Messiah will arrive on. Non-believing Jewish rabbis who don't even believe in Yeshua as the Messiah have quoted this and said that the Messiah is going to come on a donkey. When did he fulfill this prophecy? It was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, but it was fulfilled in Matthew 12 during the triumphal entry. Beautiful. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, let's move on. Now, verse 4 says, on the third day, how much more symbolic can you get than the third day, right? It was the third day that Yeshua rose from the dead. Um, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. In the King James, it says he saw the place afar off. So, um, first of all, we know that he came with his two young men. Who were these two young men? Well, according to Jewish tradition, these young men were Eleazar, Abraham's servant, the one that was going to inherit everything if he had no sons, and Ishmael, who is his firstborn son through Hagar. These were the two, these were the two men, young men, that went with Abraham to Mount Moriah uh, with Isaac. Now, they were, in essence, the two witnesses and represented the two thieves on the cross next to Yeshua. The Torah says, by two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Just as they were two servants that, that, that accompanied Isaac to Mount Moriah, there were two thieves that were side by side Jesus on the cross. Uh, so that's where that comes in. So um, as I read verse four about the third day, uh, so despite what God told Abraham in verse two, uh, that he wanted to present I, uh, Isaac as a burnt offering. He believed Isaac would return to him. And again, the, the we statements, right? The we statements that we will return to you. So Hebrews 11, uh, 17 through 19 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when he was publicly tested, lifted up a banner for all to see, he was tested, offered up Isaac, and that had, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said this is Isaac uh, and through his seed you shall be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure so right here Hebrews the writer of Hebrews personally I believe it was Paul there's a lot of debate over that I'm convinced it was the Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul even said, drawing on Jewish tradition, what he was taught as a Pharisaical rabbi himself, that Abraham knew that he was to sacrifice Isaac, but even though that Isaac was going to be a burnt offering, reduced to ash, that God would raise him from the dead. And it says so here in Hebrews, that accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him as a figure. Okay, so we mentioned the three days. Traditionally, it is said that Satan tempted and tried to trick Abraham and Isaac to try to either stop or invalidate the sacrifice that was about to take place. We see that the same thing happened uh, when Yeshua was in the wilderness after his baptism by his cousin John. When he was tempted in the wilderness, Satan tried to tempt him to fall and to bow down and to worship him, to invalidate him as Messiah, to invalidate him as a sacrifice. Satan tried the same thing according to Jewish tradition with Abraham and Isaac, to trick them, confuse them, so that somehow Isaac wouldn't be sacrificed or would become invalid as a sacrifice. So where it says that he's seen 
uh, Mount Moriah afar off. The rabbis and sages believe that this is code word for prophetic speak, that Abraham actually saw the future sacrifice of Messiah. And in John 8, 56 through 59, it says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. That's where they make this connection. He's seen afar off. He's seen prophetically in the distance. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and how hast and hast thou seen Abraham? And Je Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Oh my goodness, if you could have been there when Yeshua said that, these pharisaical heads would have exploded with rage. Because when Yeshua said, Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus is using a title for God himself. Is he not called the great I am? And here Yeshua is saying before Abraham was, I am. I am the I am in the flesh. <laughs> you could see how mad they were because right after that it says, then they took up stones to cast at him. But Yeshua hid himself. He, he become invisible. He, some, something happened. And he went out of the temple. They didn't even see him leave the temple. Uh, going through the midst of them, so he passed by. He walked right past them, and they didn't see him, is what the scriptures is implying. Okay, so verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked together. So this connects to John 19, 17. And he, Yeshua, bearing his cross, went forth to the place called the skull, which in the Hebrew is Golgotha. This is the same place as I've said before, that is Mount Moriah. And it says that they went together. Abraham and Isaac went together. Isaac knew what was going to happen. Amos 3.3 say, says, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? I believe Isaac somehow knew that he was going to be the sacrifice. Just as Yeshua knew he was going to be the sacrifice. Because verses 7 and 8, it says, then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, my father... And he replied, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked together. And I think it was there that Isaac clued in that he was going to be the sacrifice. Matthew 26, 39 says, this is Yeshua praying in the garden of the Gethsemane. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus and his father were in agreement as of Amos 3.3. How can two walk together unless they agree? How could Abraham and Isaac walk together unless they agreed to do what they were about to do? All right. Okay, moving on. So um, when Isaac knew he was going to be the sacrifice, this is what he said according to a Jewish document called Legends of the Bible. Again, take it with a grain of salt. This is not canonical scripture, but, you know, this is legends and apocryphal literature that this is drawn from. So, you know, this is what they believe Isaac said when he discovered he was going to be the sacrifice. As the Lord lives and as thou soul li th thy soul lives, there is nothing in my heart to cause me to deviate either from the right or to the left from the word that God has spoken unto thee. In other words, Isaac saying, yes, I will be a willing sacrifice. Then he gives a disclaimer here. He says, neither limb nor muscle have moved or stirred on this account. I'm not shaken by this. And then he goes on to say, but I am joyful and cheerful of heart in this matter. And I say, blessed is the Lord who has, who has this day chosen me to be a burnt offering before him. Now in verse seven and eight, where it says, God will seek out 
or provide a lamb for the sacrifice. Basically, if you, in the, you could translate it in the Hebrew. It could literally be said in the Hebrew that God himself will be the lamb for the burnt offering. How is God himself going to be the lamb for the burnt offering? That's prophetically speaking forward into history when Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, as his cousin John said during the, uh, the baptism, uh, this is prophetically speaking that God is going to provide a future sacrifice, his very own lamb. So here God says not only that he will provide, but he himself will be the sacrifice, and indeed he was through Yeshua, the Messiah. I want to say he hello to everyone who is just joining us now. Thanks for joining us. All right, continuing on with the lesson here. Uh, and the two of them went together, verse 8 says. So they were still in agreement even after all this. Verse 9 says, um, but when they arrived at the place, the place, the place, God is very specific where he wants things to be done. God must have been a realtor. What's important to a realtor? Location, location, location. He just didn't put the temple anywhere. He put it on Mount Zion. He didn't put the cross anywhere. He put it on Mount Moriah, Golgotha, Calvary. He didn't just give the Ten Commandments any old place. It was Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. He didn't have uh, Jacob have that dream of the ladder any other place but Bethel the house of God. So God is very specific. Um, the legends of the Bible says that they built the altar there that Abraham did build while Isaac handed him the stones and mortar until they finished erecting the altar. And then it says he bound Isaac. In other words, he tied his hands, he tied his feet. Abraham was 137 years old at this time. Isaac was only 37 years old. And I want to remind you that Yeshua was in his 30s when he, when he died on the cross, he was 33, right? So Isaac must have been a willing sacrifice because a, a virile, stout, young lad of 37 could easily overtake and escape from a 137-year-old man if he wanted to. If he really didn't want to go through the sacrifice, he could have easily overpowered his father and ran away. So, you know, just as Isaac was a willing sacrifice, Yeshua, Jesus was a willing sacrifice. This testifies to us that we need to be a willing sacrifice for God, whatever he wants us to do. Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Now, at this point, Legends of the Bible pipe, pipe, pipes in with their commentary and said, this is, this is what they believe that Isaac said through the apocryphal and pseudepigraphal literature that coincides with Genesis 22. It says, Father, Make haste, bear thine arm, or bear thine arm and bind my hands and feet securely. For I am a young man, but of thirty-seven years of age, and thou art an old man. When I behold the slaughtering knife in thy hand, I may perhaps begin to tremble at the sight and push against thee, for the desire unto life is bold. Also, I may do myself injury and make myself unfit for, to be a sacrifice. I adjure you. Therefore, my father, make haste, execute the will of the creator, and delay not. Turn up thy garments, gird thy loins, and after you have slaughtered me, burn me to fine ash. So Isaac is the one that says, look, tie my hands and feet in case I all of a sudden want to escape because, you know, that's, that's the survival mode God put within us. You know, we don't do stupid stuff usually that risks our life. We stay far away from high places and ledges and stay away from things that will harm us because we have that God-given uh, survival instinct within us. And Isaac was afraid that this survival instinct would kick in 
and make himself an invalid sacrifice or run away and not be a sacrifice at all. So he told his father, bind my hands and feet so this doesn't happen. Uh, other, other, uh, other writings say that he even blindfolded him because he didn't even want to see the knife coming, right? So in verse 3, Isaac was to be a burnt offering, and olah, the highest order of Levitical sacrifices. And this is how it was performed. The olah, or the Levitical burnt offering sacrifice, the throat was slit, the blood was caught and sprinkled on the altar, the body was divided into pieces as prescribed by the oral traditions, the pieces were then placed on the altar, and the pieces were wholly consumed by fire and reduced to ash. Are you getting the seriousness of this connection here? Abraham wasn't just willing to slit Isaac's throat. He was willing to disembowel him and divide him up into pieces. That's pretty intense. It's not just a simple killing, a shot through the head, a shot through the heart, a slitting of the throat, the body's whole. No, he was going to disembowel him and to cut him into pieces. So there's none of this, you know, you see these Renaissance paintings by Rembrandt and other people where Abraham has the knife and he's about ready to plunge it into Isaac's heart. That's not how it went down. That would have been an invalid sacrifice. The sacrifice must have been slit from ear to ear, jugular to jugular. The blood would flow out so quickly, the animal or the sacrifice would pass out. They would feel no pain because the razor, you know how when you get a paper cut, you don't feel it till after the fact. The, the, the knife was supposed to be so sharp that the animal or the sacrifice wouldn't feel a thing. So it would die in a very humane way. It would pass out by loss of blood. So Abraham was not only going to slit his son's throat from ear to ear, but disembowel him and reduce him to ash. In Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, Abraham literally, literally believed that God would resurrect Isaac from that state. It's kind of one thing to believe God would raise somebody from the dead after you slit their throat. It's another thing to believe that God's going to resurrect somebody who's been cut into pieces. It's a totally different animal to believe that God's going to raise something from the ash, from the ash heap. And we've already read that passage, so I won't go back to it. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. He didn't raise it to plunge it in the chest. He, the scripture saying he simply reached for the knife and he probably stretched out his hand in a blessing because before you sacrifice you raise your hands and you bless god and you bless that sacrifice and then he would stretch out his hand to slit the throat that's what this is saying so abraham uh so let's see verse uh verse 11 and 12 but the angel of the lord and again that's code for yeshua in pre-incarnate form the angel of the lord called to him from heaven and said abraham abraham here i am he replied then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham, Abraham. Now, the rabbis, the rabbis, and uh, this is what Rashi said. Rashi uh, is a, a very famous rabbinical commentator. And when he, when he talked about it, said Abraham, Abraham, Rashi says his name was repeated twice to express love and urgency, like Abraham, like very tenderly. And then Abraham, urgently. Could it also be that maybe the first was a question? You know, when God was uh, was coming down to fellowship with Adam and Eve after the fall, and he said, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. So could the first Abraham been a question? Abraham? Like, hello, Abraham, what are you doing? And then the second one is an exclamation point. Abraham! To, to, get his attention to stop what he was doing. So verse 13, 
Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. So, rams often feed in thickets, and while feeding, it's easy for them to get their horns uh, caught in the branches. So the ram had to have had his horn caught in the branches. Why? Why was it important that the ram be caught in the thicket by its horns? So that there would be no spot or blemish on the ram because a sacrifice had to be spotless without blemish. So if it was caught in the thicket by its leg or by its torso, the, the brambles and the thickets and the thorns could have slashed and cut and harmed the ram and made it an invalid sacrifice. You can't hurt the horns. They're made of a certain keratin hardening bone-like material that they fight with all the time. They butt heads. You can't hurt the horns. So the horns were caught in the thicket so it wouldn't make the sacrifice invalid. This is also an illusionary uh, hint where the thicket the, 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 were around the horns. Where did Jesus wear the crown of thorns? On his head, on his head. So this ram with the with the 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 horns caught in the thicket is symbolic of Yeshua wearing the crown of thorns. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So uh, the ram's horn. This is the legend, and I've told this before, but I'm just going to reiterate this and say this again. Legend has it that after the sacrifice, God took the two horns of the ram to heaven and made shofars out of them. One was big, one was bigger than the other. The smaller one was blown at the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which is the Rosh Hashanah, as it was as was the Akeda. Uh, so, in other words, the binding of Isaac took place during the Feast of Trumpets, during Rosh Hashanah, according to Jewish tradition. The bigger horn was blown when the Messiah returns. This too will occur around Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, according to 1 Corinthians 15. 52 and 1 Thessalonians 4 6 says at the last trump, the last trumpet, the great trumpet, as it is in Hebrew. So it's it's hinting about this bigger ram's horn that God took to heaven, and the smaller one was given to was given to man to use. Again, this is not canon, it's tradition, but it's very interesting how these things coincide. So it says, and Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yireh, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So, Yahweh Yaira. Shem called the place Salem. Abraham called the place Yaira. Or Yira. Yira and Salem. Mount Moriah was called Salem uh, by Shem. And Yira by Abraham. What happens when you put these two together? Yira Salem. Yerushalayim. Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? So the, again, this was the same place that the red heifer was burnt, the same place Yeshua was crucified. You put the word, two words together, Yira shal, uh, Salem, it's Yerushalayim, Yerushalem, Jerusalem. First Kings 9.3 says, And Adonai said to him, that is King Solomon, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me, and I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name forever. Um, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. So Mount Zion and Mount Moriah or Mount Zion and Mount Calvary are side by side. There's a valley between them, right? So Abraham returned unto his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. And again, 
As I said at the beginning, the legend is that Isaac didn't return with Abraham. He went on to study the mysteries of God with Shem, with what God knew of the origin stories, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, in closing, remember that a devout Jew recites this passage every morning, and when and and we begin this reading with the start of a traditional prayer. Now that the passage has been recited, the recitation ends with this prayer: Master of the Universe. May it be your will, Adonai, our God and God of our forefathers, that you remember for our sake the covenant of our forefathers. Just as Abraham, our forefather, suppressed his mercy for his only son and wished to slaughter him in order to do your will, so may your mercy suppress your anger from upon us, and may your mercy overwhelm your attributes. May you overstep with us the line of your law and deal with us, Adonai our God, with the attribute of kindness and the attribute of mercy. In your great goodness, may you turn aside your burning wrath from your people, your city, your land, and your heritage. Fulfill for us, Adonai our God, the word you pledged through Moses, your servant, as it is said, I shall remember my covenant with Jacob. Also my covenant with Isaac, also my covenant with Abraham shall I remember, and the land shall I remember. Now when I'm participating in this prayer personally, I end it with something of my own. Thank you for doing so in Yeshua Moshenu, Jesus our Messiah. In Yeshua's name, amen. And that's how I end that. So, you know, I thought this would be a very appropriate appropriate Sunday school lesson for today, seeing as... um. You know, today is Resurrection Sunday. I thought Genesis 22, we were in Genesis anyway, a couple chapters away from it. And I thought I would just do Genesis 22 today to tie in, uh, you know, bridge the gap of history from Isaac to Jesus, from Abraham to Yeshua. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of this message. Join us again in approximately a half an hour for our live Resurrection Sunday sermon. I, 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 I tell you, you're going to be blown away by it. The Lord, I was really blessed studying this, and it's called uh, The Itemized Proof of Purchase. Resur- the Resurrection Sunday sermon is called The Itemized Proof of Purchase. Proof of purchase of what? Of our salvation. So that's going to be the Resurrection Sunday sermon. Hope to see you in about a half an hour. Join us back here right now, uh, right here in a half an hour, and we'll see you then. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the awesomeness of your word, for the layer upon layer upon layer of symbolism and meaning and propheticness that we can never plumb the depths of fully. But thank you for revealing what you have to us to make that connection, that there's no mistaking that this binding of Isaac was prophetic of the crucifixion of our Messiah and how these two are bridged together and come together in unity. That's why there's no separation of the book between Old Testament and New Testament. It's one book, you know. It's, it's, it's you know, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless our, uh, our our service that's coming up here in a half an hour, that you would uh, uh, encourage and that a lot of people would join in our live uh, feed of the uh, Sunday morning sermon for Resurrection Sunday. We love you. We praise you. And ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.